0: It's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age, and this is our first podcasting conversation since I was gone for almost a month on a very long trip, and I'm thrilled to be back. And uh, our first guest today is a woman who is, I don't know how Liz and I ever met, but her name is Liz Pollock. She is an author. She is a cookbook cookbook store owner. What else are you, Liz? You're a whole lot of things. I know this. You're fantastic at research and at writing. So welcome. Thank you for having me. I am um, so pleased to talk with you. Liz, the last time you were here, we were talking about your book, The Lost Restaurants of Santa Cruz. Is that correct? Santa Cruz County. Yeah, County. and I think we were able to give one of those books away, and people loved it. By the way, thank you so much. Liz had reached out to me beforehand about this, and this is fascinating to me. So Liz has been speaking on reaching out to people, reaching out to publishers. She's hoping to get it published. But her lecture, the one of the lectures that I listened to that Liz has done, it's called "American Ingenuity and Innovation." kitchen appliances, and instruction manuals. Now, Liz, the reason I'm fascinated by this, and I love it because I like the way you tell me things anyway, you know, Cindy and I wrote about 30 or 35 instruction manuals for all sorts of people, for General Electric, for infomercial. And I'll tell you something. We learned it was more than giving people a recipe I mean talk about instructional writing we learned to to edit better we learned to be as simple as possible with our words so that people can understand us so when you had told me about this all the research you were doing and stuff and that you had a personal collection of you know instruction manuals I just couldn't wait for you to come on and be a guest well fantastic and I I really got to hand it to you,
1: writers and and cookbook authors, because when the Cuisinart, for instance, or the food processor or the microwave were first introduced to American audience, it was the cookbook authors and people such as yourself who stepped up, learned how to use it and stylized your recipes according to your own style, and then shared that excitement with your readers. About the and no matter what their cooking experience was, and that's how these appliances sold. Yes, these cookbook uh, these cookbooks help to boost the sales of the appliance. And if I can give a couple of please uh, for instance. okay. So Abby Mandel, who I love, uh, she wrote the Art Classroom in 1980. Wow, and when it was first published. It sold out in like a matter of months. 65,000 food processors. Like, like, how is she doing this? How yeah. is she making egg whites? How yes. did she do that? It was like a quarter teaspoon of white vinegar. Remember that? Yes. Anyway, so she was a, a champion of, an early champion of farmer's markets. And she talked about, Make your own baby food. Don't go to the store and buy it. You can make your own baby food. When Julia Child wrote her uh, from Julia Child's Kitchen in 1975, she doesn't name names, but she talks about this food, the super powerful food processor, like it's it saves so much time. She called all those dog chores, <laughs> you know, better to clean it and inspiring uh uh, cooks to try a new recipe
0: you know so I applaud you for helping well I'll tell you something Liz it is I remember and this is from from a food styles perspective I'll tell you this there was a food styles when I first started styling she's long dead this is 40 years ago and I I ended up on some commercial assisting someone but she was there as a consultant now this was she wasn't young then okay and she turned to me and she was very sweet and said how did I get into food styling and I'd gone to chef school yes well she of course had been a home economist because that's who really was the beginning of these things and she said well that we I was working for myself and I was a home economist and a Manna called me and they wanted a book to talk about how it was a frost free freezer and where to put the food in the refrigerator because it was so large that people were buying them and then didn't know where to put the food. And I just cracked up. And I thought of all the times when I was a little kid, remember, on game shows, they'd say, and you're the winner of a brand new cubic something, a manna. And I remember thinking, oh, my God. I mean, that was better than winning a mink coat to get this beautiful refrigerator. So that was the first time that to me, I started thinking, oh, yeah, this is all about sales because food styling is just all about sales. That's all it ever was meant to be. Somebody had to wrangle the food to make it look better. So obviously the same thing would apply to functioning the machine to getting the most out of these appliances that someone had to write down how you do that. And, you know, there was this whole new kind of language. I
1: mean, I I was kind of scared of a microwave. I mean, we didn't have a microwave until the late 80s. Yes. And um. it it was kind of scary. I was more into the natural. I'll cook it myself. I'll chop it myself. I'll make my own, you know, all this stuff. And so to put things in the microwave was scary to me. And especially when I had a, um, you remember Laurel Birch put out those beautiful coffee cups with the gold, beautiful painting cast and stuff. Anyway, so I don't know. I, I had a friend who put something like a coffee cup with a beautiful laurel bird and it you know i was i uh i thought i don't want to drink that and i don't want to eat that but when it was the microwave was first introduced the uh control panel had a low medium and high yes didn't have a pizza or popcorn it it didn't have a uh a carousel plate so you had to stop. So you had to stop it, rotate the dish, and then you know do it again. They became less heavy because they used to be really heavy,
0: but now they're considered essential. What That's we, right. What would we do without them? I think you could not be more correct when you mentioned the microwave. Now let me tell you, as One of my best mentors in my life was the producer that brought Jacques Papin, the TV producer, Jacques Papin and Martin Yan to PBS. Okay, Wonderful. Been a home economist. Her name is Linda Brandt. She's still in she's in up. Upst- she's in Washington State, just a brilliant, brilliant woman. Now, she was a home economist at Sunset Magazine. And Sunset Magazine, as you remember, had those beautiful test kitchens. So a lot of people ended up at Sunset saying, help me with my product or, you know, that was what they were doing there. Now, Linda Grant, even when, so this was in the early 60s, she was talking about 60s or the 60s and the early 70s. But when we got Microwaves for backstage kitchens. She'd turn around. She'd say, "Never stand in front of those things." You remember that? Everybody was terrified. And I'd say, "Linda, I, I think that's all." She said, "Denise, the girls. One of the women that tested it." it sunset ended up with ovarian cancer. Of course, you would. I said, Linda, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. And I'm sure it wasn't the microwave, but I, obviously you have a link to the microwave. But I remember people being terrified of microwaves because we didn't know anything about them. And we should be terrified of things that we don't know anything about.
1: Right. And I think the, the, the blender is one of my favorite things because for instance, if, uh, like, uh, if your kid is having a uh, wisdom teeth out or maybe you're getting, a, um, I don't know, some kind of tooth work, dental work, that blender is a godsend. The, uh, the evolution of the blender, for instance, maybe late 50s, they managed to change it from glass to a sturdy plastic. Yes. And that was great. They also put the measurement lines on the outside so I didn't have to measure it, you know, before I put it in. And that was nice. But you're so right. You you kind of have to learn how to work these things and in. And in my experience, my 75 types of appliances, if I may describe my wow. criteria. Please. Wow. Okay, so these appliances transform foodstuffs that we bring into our kitchen make it cold, colder, hot, hotter, keep it warm, um, slice, grind, uh, beat and keep the kitchen implements clean like a dishwasher and a, uh, a floor polisher that's a, that was a big deal but also oh, yeah. but also to keep the cook content and comfortable meaning you've got an air conditioner or a nice ceiling fan like i see that you have um a uh you know a little radio listen to the ball game listen to dodgers games or or one of my favorite things that we had because i grew up in pasadena was a, a tandy intercom so the base the yeah. base was yeah. in the kitchen And the two satellites were in the bedroom in the you know uh, the the den. So if the if the school bus is here, hurry up! Like all he had to do was yell into you know. And so so all of these things like um, uh, help the kitchen run smoothly and help us prepare. And I feel also that a lot of appliances. furthered along women's liberation for instance the slow cooker wow yes you put it on you go to work for eight hours you come back and the dinner's
0: already cooked that's phenomenal it's marvelous you know what Liz when you say that I have to tell you and it just there's things my father had always owned his own business and it, it was growing in the sixties and they bought, my parents bought this beautiful big home in a new, they moved out of the GI bill home that they would bought for $16,000 and moved into, you know, I think they paid like $53,000, which seemed like a mansion in those days. But the biggest thing was, is it had an intercom and all, because it was a big house. So in every room and we we talked about that at length. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, moving in. So, my, parents, so- my sisters, we'd say, well, we'll have the intercom. I mean, it was like it was like we had, we were moving on up, if you say, because yeah, right. and also so I have to when we got a blender, same house. So now we're in the house. So my mother has a self-cleaning oven and talk about and she got a floor polisher i remember my mother exactly what you're talking about my mother said well this house practically cleans itself uh, so she, yeah right so she went from you know and this was because i remember when i was tiny as a baby her doing the wringer washer and how horrible that job looked to me even as a child i remember thinking oh my god right. so when all of a sudden 10 or 11 years later, I see my mother like reading a book in the afternoon or taking the dog for a walk, or you know, she was free, freer because she wasn't doing all this housework. Mm-hmm. It was right. amazing to me. So I agree with that. And I know it felt like that to her. Do you know right. what I mean? That it really felt like that to her. Well,
1: one of the things that i did um was i wanted to really uh, focus a lot on the patents okay so, please so about that. i i i researched using the united states trademark and patent office and i wanted to find the first patent for this product and that means that you know um that agency protects the designer, <clears throat> protects all the associations. And um, one of my favorite designs is the lean, mean fat grilling machine. Michael um, uh made the griddle so that the lower portion slanted downward, and then you know that separate little trough that went yes. down and you know collected the grease or the butter. Or whatever. Yeah. And so, in 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 my estimation, and because you know they came in, they come in in large family size and individual size. That's one of the most important uh, appliances today. It means you can gr- have a grilled cheese sandwich. You can take it in your dorm, a little teeny weeny apartment or a loft or your your RV or, you know, whatever you, yeah. your boat or something. And um, <clears throat> you can feed yourself. And
0: yes. That's pretty good. That's pretty now, good. and that's the design of the George Foreman grill that you described. Okay. So, well, I mean, <laughs> he was the spokesperson. Sure. Yes. Yes. And the reason is that I worked on that, Liz, but here's the thing. One of the most successful he's George Foreman was one of the most successful people that's ever sold any appliance ever because they've had generations of it. Okay. So he was doing six, seven, eight generations of that girl. Here's my favorite. And I want to talk about the blender for a minute. So we get this new house has this big kitchen and my mother bought, gets some appliances, you know, to go with her self cleaning oven because she has all this time and I remember my father brought home, it had a glass top. It was Oster. It was an Osterizer blender. It was heavy. And it had not a lot of speeds, but it was like slow, medium, and high. Well, we put the frozen orange juice in that, and it became this frothy, delightful something. Do you know what I mean? With adding yeah. some water And I remember thinking, I've never tasted anything this delicious in my life. Mm -hmm. And we had, I mean, that blender, I can remember it. And then my father made gin fizzes on the weekend, you know. But I remember that blender became, again, it was like magical. Right, right. And my mother made pancake batter in it. And my mother started using it for all sorts of things. Right. And And you become
1: less, you know fearful of trying a new recipe for instance um like uh i wanted to talk about um appliances that let people continue to prepare uh their cultural dishes like the electric walk yes for instance like Uh, you know, back in the 40s, there were those deep fryer things. It's like three cups of grease. (laughs) What are you going to do with that? You know, I mean, you can strain it and all that, but I'm not putting that huge fryer on my nice dining room table. Anyway, um, but the electric walk is kind of like introduces you to maybe new vegetables that you haven't cook with before or certainly a healthier approach to dinners and 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 the electric rice cooker oh my gosh so much easier and and there's an electric pasta machine an electric uh uh you know a tortilla press yes Yeah. I mean, why not make it easy on yourself if you have a large family or if you want to you want to get things done or if you're a cookbook author, get it,
0: you know, get it done. And, you know, this is so funny. You should say that. And because I pulled it out recently during the pandemic, I made some sourdough bread, Liz. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't give myself an A+. Jim Dodge wasn't feeling threatened anywhere in the world when I posted my pictures. But they tasted pretty good. But I have to tell you, one of the things that I pulled out after that, when I did it for a while, I bought a bread machine at Costco for like $48. I remember it very well. It's one of of the name brands. It was on sale. But because my husband said, Oh, I would really like that. Now, of course, Liz, my husband doesn't even know where the kitchen is unless something's cooking and he smells it and he follows his nose to the kitchen. But I bought that bread machine. And you know what? Several stores, King Arthur uh, has one now too, but a lot, Williams, Sonoma, they sell the bread mix in the box for eight, 10 bucks. Do you know how good that loaf I mean, you can just make your own. But I'm saying sometimes when I buy one of those mixes and put it in the bread machine, I feel like Nancy Silverton. <laughs> That's right. Ah, right. right. It's so easy. And it's foolproof is what really I was getting exactly. at. Because down with my sourdough, as I was getting better at it, some loaves were definitely better than others. Do you know what I mean? And sure. I, I was using the same recipe and my starter was the same, but I certainly don't have, uh, the knowledge on my at my fingertips yet that I need to make really beautiful sourdough bread. But I'll tell you, the bread machine, I plug that thing in. And if I bought a mix online and I put them there, my husband comes downstairs and says, that smells so delicious. It's such a treat. It is a treat. And it took me three minutes. I didn't yeah. have
1: to suffer at all. You know, um, all of these big, heavy, because a bread machine is kind of large. Yes. So... In the uh, early early '70s, maybe late '60s, um, some of them, like Sunbeam especially, yes, came out with a and they dovetailed with um, it, the name escapes me, but it's a, a like simplicity pattern. You could make your own appliance covers. You could make oh. them in strawberries or flowers or ducks or something like that so that these appliances big heavy things it doesn't look so industrial on your counter and you don't have to put it on down below they're actually kind of pretty you could make you have one with like maybe a christmas motif or something but you you know um i i think that uh learning how to make these uh make these new things, uh, like the new, you know, coffee machine and everything. Um, it's such a sense of accomplishment. Yes. And and I, um, you know, it's really a matter of personal organization, you know, where to keep your, uh, appliance manual. And luckily for me, you know, I, I collect them and I, my earliest one is from like about 1922. Wow, it's for an oil stove. Can you imagine? Not no, with wicks and talk about dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> I also have one of a. Uh, this is maybe um early thirties to maybe late forties. Is the gas refrigerator, and so that would that would be you know regular size, but you'd instead of. Uh, electricity you had a tank like a tank bottle that a guy would come to your house and transfer it out and exchange it but um it was full of sulfur dioxide and then later on in the uh after world war ii it and and so forth it was put in uh freon which was really that was banned uh, 10 years ago 15 years ago yeah. And and I feel like, you know, it my topic of collection, I mean, it's um, it's controversial. I mean, the L.A. Times just ran uh, an article about maybe the notion of changing gas stoves in a in a restaurant. I know. I know. I don't. Think so I don't think that's going to happen. But it's it's I, I think it's really
0: geared for new homes, new development, and all that. I th- that's what you bring up is a very interesting point, Liz. And I was reading something in the Times and I've read it in a couple other places. When I worked on the cruise ships, they would, of course, could not have an open flame. So there was no gas stoves. Now in the kitchen, in the kitchens of those old cruise ships, they still had gas stoves but I was in the big theater with 200 people sitting and they didn't want a a whisper of a chance of an accident. So they gave me, is it the conduction? Is that the word for it? Induction, induction, Mm -hmm. induction. Now it comes with special pans. And if you don't have the right pans, the stove won't work. So there's a safety factor. But of course, when I would get on and all of a sudden had to, and every every single ship was different, of course, they couldn't have all been the same, but I would try to cook on that induction burner, and sometimes it was successful, and sometimes it was a mess. And I'm talking about recipes that I've cooked for 50 years, Liz, but I'm so used to gas, and I know how to adjust gas, and I know how to move it off the burner, and I know just how to turn it off, do you know what I mean? And Sure. Once you've cooked with gats, I don't want to cook with anything else.
1: Right, right.
0: And and I uh, I had to kind of draw
1: the line of where I would stop in my my examples. It was about 2000, yeah two thousand and five, something like that. And the reason I did is because I have a realtor friend who says when she sells a house, she mm-hmm. uh, she wants her seller. To completely get new appliances. I mean, why not? You know, it's it's going to sell better. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, y- you know, the uh, uh, making it clean and so forth. So she see- she sees a trend. Remember where the trash compactor was, yes. like to the left of the sink or something. Yes. Now, it's a wine cooler.
0: Me. That's exactly what we did. My yes. house my house is 20 years old and i got to it the kitchen has got a gas stove the self-cleaning oven it works really really well it's um but it's from the 90s and you can tell by the cabinets and the a splash a splash the backsplash that i've got but next to the sink there was this trash compactor or whatever i recycle everything i can list and i said to my husband i don't want this thing and it, it also was broken we needed to buy a new one and it was the realtor, exactly what you're saying said, you know, they make wine, little wine cabinets that'll fit right in there. And that's what we did. They're adorable. They're yeah. adorable. And I but I think, gosh, I think it takes 15, 16 bottles of wine. I mean, it's not that small. But that's what we did because I didn't want a trash compactor. Sure. And and, and I think we we
1: kind of move into the future and yeah. And I I like it. I think that um, when I look back at World War II and what we had, or well, not me exactly, but where my parents had to, you know, scrimp and save and and make do and do without. Yes. One of the big savior things was um, because you couldn't like uh, have an appliance guy come to your house because he was overseas fighting the war, right? So. You had to fix the gasket yourself on your fridge. Yeah. You you dried your fruit in the oven. Isn't that fantastic? Or outside, but in the oven. And you know we uh, we take things for granted. And I one of my favorite things is the food dehydrator that has about five uh, little trays. Yeah. I just love that thing. And um, it's it's good for for you know, uh, saving. And, uh, I mean, you know, we're all trying to save nickel here and there, but, um, I find that, uh, that, uh, I, I wanted to, if I may, um, talk about, um, this exhibit that I have. So the book club of California is in San Francisco and they've been around since 1912 and they, they, uh, it's like a museum, it's on Sutter Street, right around the corner from Grant. And, um, uh, they have a uh, beautiful fine press, and the American West, and and printing. And, and, and here's my exhibit of my ordinary little bitsy booklets and brochures, but they're so unusual and they reflect the American lifestyle and how yeah. the kitchen um has been a teaching room it's a room to learn how to use the standing mixer and you know the the uh rotisserie and so forth and so uh, and and then all of the color combinations and the layout and the typeface and and i feel that uh today's printers and bibliophiles can learn a lot by uh, looking at these old booklets and um, maybe be inspired, you know, by this, you know, vintage
0: is in, nostalgia is in. Absolutely. But also, Liz, it is, it's the history. I mean, one of the things, if I thought, you know, um, for me, and this is just, because when I was working, a lot of our work, A lot of Cindy's in my work was development of product. So we would get people that did infomercials or like George Foreman's crew when I worked for them, or I'm trying to think of other spokesmen we worked for. Florence Henderson was selling a T-fall pressure cooker. She was the most wonderful person in the world. She was the front woman for that. And um, what was cute about that, just... As a side note, is after she saw me for five five days, we're cooking with her. She said to me, "You know, Denise, I can't boil water." I said, "I know that, Florence." <laughs> she said, "But I could cook with this, couldn't I?" I said, "Yes, you could. Just make sure you get the lid on." Oh, and she was riot because she really didn't cook much. She'd why would Florence Henderson cook? She'd been singing, dancing, and uh, entertaining since she was about seventeen years old. So she, she didn't need to cook. But all adorable, the, adorable all of the things about appliances which i when i was selling them working on them getting paid to work on them i gave them all away to people okay we would finish and cindy i'd say do you want this no sometimes they'd send us four or five of the ninja blenders and stuff i'd send it to my niece i'd send, you know we'd we'd keep one for the test kitchen but i didn't even use most of that stuff okay fast forward. Well, I've retired. And guess what, Liz? It's like starting the bread. I pulled out my slow cooker. I pulled out my wand that I never used because now I have time to make a big pot of soup. And it's so much easier to use the brawn wand that I have. So I and I bought an air fryer, Liz, because and I had we had tested several. We gave them away. One of the kids that worked with us took it. I thought, I'm never gonna use this. Well, guess what? Now that I cook dinner every single night. I found that it's a small, bought a small air fryer. And do you know what? Sometimes, and this sounds, I know it sounds stupid, but, and I've cooked forever. So I know what I'm saying. Sometimes I brown a beautiful steak. We're going to split it in my cast iron skillet. And then I stick it for the last two minutes in the air fryer because it crisps up the, the gristle and the fat. And it's, Utterly delicious, and sometimes I cook chicken breasts, and I stick them in the air fryer. And my husband says to me, "This is the best chicken you've ever made." So there is something to be said for those air fryers, which I had poo pooed and poo pooed and poo pooed until I had time to really cook with them. And
1: it's a generational generational thing too. I mean, uh, young people are totally into it. Uh, college kids. Teenagers love their air fryer,
0: the chicken wings and all that stuff. They love the, it. The one I bought off Amazon just has one door. I mean, I looked at all sorts and I, only, I was a hundred bucks was on Amazon and I bought it Liz, because I, I bought it because I'd been reading about them and I knew that Cindy and I had tested a few, but I thought, you know, I might use that when I don't want to turn the whole oven on for one little steak or whatever. Well, it turns out I use it almost every single day.
1: Whoa. You know, I wanted to bring up to you in the early 70s when HBG um, helped to move this along for the credit card. Uh. Able to use. And if I can um, backtrack just a bit and talk about the... um, montgomery ward catalog the sears catalogs you know i love all those catalogs in inside the old catalogs and i collect those by the way oh my god oh how fun though (laughs) so much fun but there's an a there's a you know apply for a montgomery ward catalog uh, or card but it says in 1974 you do not have to be a man you don't have to declare yourself a woman or a man. And that's because this particular law that, of course, I forget what the, the number is, but it was um, um, significant because then people could order online and furnish their tiny apartment in New York City or St. Louis or something. And, and these credit cards allowed you be, before Amazon. Yes. They allowed you to bring things into your home, open up the box, set it up, learn how to use it. I mean, that's fantastic. Feed yourself and have a maybe entertain, have a party or have your uh, family over, your friends. And 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 it, it meant that that um, more people wouldn't be beholden to their husband having the credit card. And I think, I think it's wonderful. Be, besides the, the catalogs and the mail order catalogs, I think that, um, uh, and in my book, I, I interview people who they saved those green stamps, you know, oh, yes. they, they made it a, a game for the kids to fill out the little books for the blue chip stamps. All that was so much fun. And, um, you know, we, I grew up, My mom puts
0: stuff on layaway all the time. I was going to say, I'm so old, Liz. I remember layaway. And, you know, it just shows our society is just everything is so sped up. But I'm sure now this is what I don't know. When my mother, I remember asking my mother about layaway. Okay. When I was a little girl, because one of my friends mother said well we may get that we'll put it on layaway and I didn't know what she was talking about so I asked my mother and my mother immediately said well we'll just pay for it we don't have to put anything on layaway so my mother immediately you know kind of scoffed at layaway but now layaway the store what you paid three or four months did you pay some interest on layaway in those days or did you just make the payments three or four times I wonder well, um, I remember having it,
1: uh, like, really liking something and telling my mom. Yes. And she'd maybe, uh, she'd, she'd have Sears hold it okay. on a shelf with our name on it. And then she'd go in maybe twice a month, every other week or something. And, and put a little bit, you know, like $10, $10 here or whatever like that. And then at Christmas, it was wrapped but, under the tree.
0: It was so are, there wasn't any interest. I don't Maybe think there- so, no. Well, see, now, no. we could go back to that, because one of the problems that we have in America is everybody buys everything, and then we're paying 21% interest on a credit card.
1: I know. Terrible. Different world. Different, world. Yeah.
0: Different generation. Now, Liz, if people want to know more about the work you've been doing, how can they reach you about your research? I know we're praying. I want everyone who's listening to pray. We want a publisher to buy Liz's book. But I know that with your display and with your collections that you, you know, certainly if people are interested, how do they contact you? Uh, my my telephone number is
1: 831-251-9218 and that's in Santa Cruz. My bookstore is your Beautiful here. Books Open in, in from 10 to 6, Monday through Saturday. Wow. Yeah. And I um, I have books on on uh, all kinds of gastronomy and wine and a little bit of gardening. But mostly, you know, uh, uh, I have a lot of ephemera. And I, I collect a lot of vintage uh, restaurant menu and cocktail lists. I'm into that because I'm a certified misogynist. But I wanted to say, I'm also giving a talk. Oh, good. Day 13th at the Culinary Historians of Southern California. And it'll be at the Mark Taper Forum. Uh, not, not the forum. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Mark Taper Auditorium of that. the L Public downtown on 5th. I'm,
0: um, I'm a member also. And I and also now. So it's a wonderful group. If people want to know about that, it's an absolutely wonderful group. Now, are they going to Zoom it too? Um, Liz, do you know, or are they just doing them all live now? Because during COVID, they were Zooming them and it was wonderful to be able to not drive down to the theater. You know what I mean? So it's beautiful. I think it can be uh, seen. I'll get back to you on that, but it
1: can be okay. seen after the fact because they they make a link into yes. the YouTube or whatever it's called. Yeah, but oh, that's. But I'll be talking about the American manufacturing companies, um, and uh, if I can digress for one second, and they were uh, you know Rosie the Riveters, you know yes. the American appliance manufacturing companies. In World War II, they halted what they were doing and instead made ships and airplanes for the war effort. They And then when, you know, our guys came back and war was over, then they went back to, you know, full steam ahead of building um, dryers and dishwashers and so forth. But in the meantime, you know, Long Beach, that was a big Big uh, shipyard and yes. and a lot of uh, uh, places up in uh, Newark and Oakland and so forth. But but we um, so I'll be focusing a lot on the American manu- uh, appliance manufacturers. And in my uh, in my book, I I list 105, and some of them they employed hundreds and thousands of. America, you know, men and women, and they yeah. were good youth jobs. Yes, it, uh, some of them were gobbled up by bigger companies. You know, like Admiral was then bought up by Whirlpool, and then that was bought up by Maid Tag, and so on and so on. Some of them have gone out of business. You know, sure. that's the way it goes. You
0: know what, Liz? It's so interesting to me. Every it's thank you so much. It's so interesting to me. I am a member of the. Uh, culinary historians in Southern California. And if people want to find out how to be a member, that's easy. It's very reasonable. It's a beautiful newsletter. And I I think I had read that. I knew you were going to be giving a talk there, but what you're talking about is really just the history of it is fascinating, Liz. And I thank you so much so I hope that people will reach out to Liz, and she has a gorgeous bookstore. So if you need to find a rare book, she's the woman to talk to. Um, Liz, thank you so much for today. And, thank you for having uh, me. Absolutely, and uh, we're all, we're going to. Ha- I'm sending prayers and light and crossed fingers to, to to the publishers that you've sent it to, that one of them gets smart enough to publish the book. Here, here. But honey, it's. You know, it is what it is in this day and age. That's all I say to people. It's 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 a different world. Whenever you're in Santa Cruz, I will roll out the red carpet for you. Oh, I can hardly wait. That sounds marvelous. Honey, thank you so much. I want to thank Miss Cindy. I want to thank all the people that listen and that reach out to us. And lots of times people have questions, but they don't want to put it on the Facebook page. They do it to me privately. And I'm happy to answer your questions. Um, so you're welcome. But anyone, we're at womenbeyondicloud.com. At of course, when we put, when Cindy broadcast this, we'll put up Liz's information so people can reach her. So Liz, thank you. Cindy, thank you as always. And it's lovely to be back. I took a vacation and it was wonderful. And I know. So thank you, Liz, for today. And We
1: enjoyed your
0: vacation too. (laughs) You know what? It was really, I hadn't gone anywhere because of COVID, Liz, obviously, like most of us. And I got to, the best part of it, the uh, the trip was fabulous, but I had never been to Vienna and I am so in love with Vienna now, I can't even stand it. But it was lovely too. I was proud of myself because I carried my own luggage. I walked sometimes 16 and 18,000 steps a day. Mm-hmm. I know I was, I I made money exchanges. I did everything all by myself. And I'm proud of myself that I did it. And I came back in better shape than when I left. Oh, yay. Good for you. It's inspiring. It, well, it made me feel good because sometimes, as you know, when you work alone, or, or now that I'm retired and I'm here alone, you get into this feeling that you can't, you're not accomplishing anything, even though it's just I know from my personality, but so I feel very accomplished again. <laughs> Bravo. Yeah, that's good. I'm Thanks. So glad. Thanks. Thanks, Cindy. Take care. Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye.